1: Yo, what's going on, everyone? We're live right here at the AwesomeO.com NFL Strategy Show. It's the showdown edition, and we got a fun one for you today. The Carolina Panthers hosting the Atlanta Falcons in the midst of Hurricane Zeta. But as Matt and I discussed right before we started, we think, well, we're no meteorologists, but we think we're going to be in okay shape by the time this game kicks off at 8.20 Eastern time. So... Happy to have all of you guys with us. Fun one to break down on both sides. Could be a pretty explosive game offensively, but the total sits at only 51 points with the Panthers laying two points out there in North Carolina. Matt, what's going on, man? Glad to be with you.
0: Not too much, man. As usual, excited to break down some single-game action. Becoming probably my favorite format now these days. I just like getting into the fringe players. It's really fun, deep analysis.
1: It really is, and, and you know, I was thinking about this the other day. You see these huge contests on on DraftKings and Fanduel, like the featured ones, right? But we're seeing, particularly this year, you don't if if you don't have like if you don't like joining the millie maker each week. I know that's not one that I like to get into because I'm not maxing it, and even when you do, it's just. It's, it's incredibly difficult with the pay structure there, although Neil Orfield of Osimo, uh, one of our subs, took it down this, this last week, so that's amazing. But it's incredibly difficult. Uh, and, you know, every week you have great contests, uh, single entry, three max, even other 150 maxes that have better payout structures like the, the $500,000 slant. Matt, if you look at the contest that you've got tonight and pretty much every showdown slate, particularly Monday and Thursday, there are some amazing contests with much better pay structures um, for pretty much any level of player with any bankroll. That's what makes this so great. You don't have to put everything that you have. Uh, you don't have to only play the biggest one to take down or have the opportunity to take down something big.
0: Yeah. I feel like with the main slate, sometimes they just force a millimaker maker in there regardless. And I, we've seen the millimaker maker week over week, sometimes just get worse and worse as far as structure goes. But these Island games, there's enough demand for them. Essentially, Monday, Thursday, even Sunday night, we sometimes we even see Millie Makers on the Island games. It, it's been fantastic to see these things grow. And it's nice to get some flatter payout structures, too, where, you know, it's not one million to first then hundred K to second.
1: Right. And uh, well, we're here to break it down and hopefully help you guys and ourselves win some money. If you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, hit that subscribe button. You guys uh, have helped us out a ton with this. I've even seen the amount of people that watch the show, the amount that are subscribed has gone through the roof, so that's awesome, and uh, it's a win-win for both of us, right? You get to watch some good free DFS content, and it helps us continue to build our channel and put out free content to everyone, so subscribe, hit that notification bell, and as you know, hit that thumbs up button, uh, one of the easiest ways to help support us here at Out. So, Matt, we've got one game on the showdown slate, Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. We'll jump into the, to the specifics here, get into the weeds on each side. But before any of that, let's just take a general look at an overview uh, of this game, knowing that the Falcons are not as bad as their record would indicate, right? Last week, if Todd Gurley doesn't accidentally score, they go on to win that game. It's, it's, it's not disputable. They go on to win that game. Uh, the onside kick against Dallas, had they not botched that, they go on to win that game. There's several games, and, I, and I'm, I believe I'm missing a couple too, where they had a very good chance to win. They're not good, but they're not terrible. They got Ricardo Allen back. They got Keanu Neal back. Both or both are finally but fully healthy. Uh, and on the other side, we don't anticipate McCaffrey returning, even though there was some speculation around that. Um, but the Panthers' defense, particularly in the passing game, has been better than advertised and the offense with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm has actually been pretty competent. So I don't know, this game has a lot of moving pieces and I I don't think it's as easy uh, to, to break down as you might think.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on the Atlanta side. I definitely do not think they're as bad as their record indicates. And you mentioned it. I don't know if this defense is good, but they're at least healthier. we've even seen guys like Dante Fowler miss time. I mean, like AJ Terrell was on the COVID list for a little bit. He's their first round pick at corner. He was widely expected to be their placement for Desmond Trufant, which hasn't exactly worked out, but at least he's out there now. They're not playing, you know, practice squad level players. So maybe we could see some positive regression from this Atlanta Falcons defense at some point this year. They're pretty strong up front with some of their defensive linemen. And I've been really impressed with Carolina too. I'm not sure if this is the the Joe Brady effect coming in as their OC. They've still been playing fairly slow, but highly efficient, basically the most efficient football we've ever seen out of Teddy Bridgewater in his career.
1: Yeah. And one more thing, Uh, McKinley defensive end for the Falcons is, I don't think he's ruled out yet, Matt, but he hasn't practiced on a short week. If, If he's out, that makes it much more difficult for this team to get to the quarterback as well, which has already been an issue this year. They have not been able to apply pressure to opposing quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he is out. He's oh, Maybe, he's officially Has is he officially ruled out? I think so. Maybe someone in the con- the chat can confirm this.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah, I saw. Okay, you're probably right. I'll take your word for it. Uh, I just uh, know loco
0: he- in the chat says he's out. He's he's officially out. Okay. Yeah, that's what loco says.
1: Might not seem like a big deal. Clearly not going to swing the line on any game, uh, but it does have some implications today. So uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's dive into it. We'll start with the road team, the Atlanta Falcons. And by the way, some crazy pricing, like DJ Moore's salary and a couple of these other guys are are probably less than you would think on DraftKings specifically. We'll, we'll, We'll kick it off with the run game, and then we'll get into the passing game. Todd Gurley's best performance this season, Matt, has come against this Carolina team where he ran for 121 yards on 14 attempts, averaged nearly nine yards per carry, scored a touchdown, had 28 fantasy points. Outside of that, he's been very inefficient this season. Uh, But he has seen 14-plus carries in every single game this year, Uh, and he's also seen uh, 12 uh, 12 targets over his last three games. They want to establish the run. They want to get it going. They've just had a tough time from an efficiency standpoint but the Carolina Panthers, one real weakness defensively is that run game. Very curious to see where you stand on a guy like Todd Gurley, who not only has a good chance to break out here, but is also pretty reasonably priced, if you ask me.
0: He's reasonably priced and reasonably owned. I think this Atlanta Falcons offensive line is underrated. They just have a slew of first-round picks across the O-line, and Game script has really prevented them from establishing the run this year at times. I know they've been up in games and punted them off occasionally as well, but there's a couple of reasons to like Gurley. You mentioned the volume. It's been fantastic for him in the past two games. He's had opportunities of 23 and 25, and that's with Brian Hill still mixing in. Part of the reason I think they're able to do that is we're dealing with an extremely fast team. They're third in plays per game and fourth in seconds per play. They they do pass the ball at a top 10 rate a lot of times because they're trailing But even with that, it's still enough volume for Gurley to approach 20 touches on a week-to-week basis with Brian Hill still mixing in for about five to eight. And I mean, Gurley's just not being owned as if he's a bell cow back. Right now, I'm seeing four and a half percent in the captain slot. He's not being priced as if he's a back seeing 20 touches, 8,400 on DraftKings specifically. I think that's kind of an error. What what do you make of Gurley?
1: I really like him. Uh, I I like the backs in both of these games, but my favorite running back of the two is definitely Todd Gurley for a couple of reasons. Uh, Strammy in chat says he also has a chip on his shoulder after last week. Uh, You know, I'm not a big narrative guy, but yeah, if he's coming in to prove something, uh, he can certainly do it against Carolina. The great thing about this matchup though, you don't need any narratives because it's just very good. Panthers are allowing nearly five yards per carry. That's third worst in the league. Um, the Atlanta Falcons almost certainly want to look to get the run game going because it is it has been good for them this year when they can actually make that happen. They just have struggled and they've also gone behind in a bunch of games. Uh, but you know, once you sift through everything else, you pretty much hit on it. Uh, the touch counts are are very solid, and while the efficiency hasn't been there, volume is everything. So take volume and a relatively inefficient back and and combine that with a defense whose biggest issue is allowing an insane efficiency in the run game, you've got a recipe for success. So yeah, 43 attempts and five tar or seven targets over his last three games. That's huge volume. I'm very much willing to overlook the overall production in terms of yardage totals uh in favor of looking at how much work he can get against this Carolina defense. And that's what it comes down to for me.
0: I agree with you. And like you mentioned, there's this perception that Todd Gurley's old and washed and his knees can't hold up. And I think that's, what's reducing his ownership too. I'm actually okay with Gurley in the captain slot. And I think I'll have a fair amount of him tonight. I, I'm not really worried about Brian Hill. And again, I think just overall play volume is going to allow both of these guys to mix in and Gurley should still approach 50 to 20 touches.
1: I have no problem with him in the captain spot either. And let's be fair, Matt. It's it's tough sometimes to justify uh, as crazy as it sounds. It's been tough to justify running backs that aren't you know Alvin Kamara or Mike Davis type pass catching backs in the captain spot and showdown slates this season simply because you know the passing games just explode. And you know that's one thing to consider here. But I'm not opposed to it either. And I guess I could throw this question to you as well. Could you see this being a game that isn't necessarily dominated by passing attacks on both sides? Like could you see this being a game where Matt Ryan and 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 his and his receiving core come down with, you know, relatively underwhelming totals while Todd Gurley puts up a big game? Because if that's the case, then of course we need to have interest in him at the captain spot.
0: I think there's a couple of reasons we couldn't see that one is the matchup. You mentioned Carolina is a run funnel defense. They they've lost K one short for the year. And they also lost um, their second round pick Yder gross Matos out of Penn state. He was a strong defensive end for them. So it's been a run funnel defense. And then we need to look at pricing a little bit here too. So, so Gurley's coming in with a fair price. We look over to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And I think when we start looking at stacks with Matt Ryan in this single game environment, it becomes a little cost prohibitive and you're going to have to punt somewhere. If you take someone like Ridley or Julio Jones, or God forbid you try to play them both, you're certainly going to be punting in that spot. Gurley coming in with a fraction of the price. I think that is a big factor here and what could put him over the edge. And he's been fairly solid as a pass catcher. He's not, he's not Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but target counts are decent this year. You mentioned seven, I believe in the last two games that that's more than okay.
1: What are you doing with the passing attack here with Matt Ryan Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Uh, they are the three, they are three of the four most expensive players on this slate. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey's up there at the top, but we got word this morning that it's very unlikely that he's activated. There was a lot. If you would, if you looked at any game preview or anything for this game in the, in the header, in the title was this Christian McCaffrey returning all of that yesterday when I was, when I was checking some of them out, very unlikely seems to be the case. But Matt Ryan, highest priced, assuming, you know, of active players, Teddy Bridgewater second, then Ridley third, Julio Jones fourth. They're very expensive. Like they're very expensive, Matt. And while they are both spectacular options and no one would ever turn their nose up at being able to stack Matt Ryan with Ridley and Jones, but it does do weird things for roster construction. And I built some lineups, just hand built some lineups, trying different configurations to see what I came up with. Um, and that stacking combination right there is pretty difficult because there are very, very few players down towards the bottom of the player pool today that offer really anything of significant value.
0: Yeah, if you if you take that stack, you're going to have a lot of fun playing Brandon Powell today. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be tough to differentiate these guys. It's similar to Lockett and Metcalf. They're, the target distribution is so narrow between Ridley and Julio Jones when they're both active. Really, you want to get to these two guys, but DraftKings did a fantastic job pricing them where it's exceedingly hard to get them both and then pair with Matt Ryan, which would be something you wanted to do if you are targeting Jones and Ridley. So it's a good job with pricing. I think we look to ownership here maybe to break some tiebreakers or you if, if you're playing multiple lineups, you just try to get some of both. I think Julio Jones coming in slightly lesser owned than Calvin Ridley would be the player I look to. And again, these are just very, very close in ownership as well. So we're just nitpicking but Julio Jones has received more targets than Ridley in each of the last two games, not by much, but it's at least worth mentioning here. Julio Jones was removed for the, from the injury report altogether. So I think that's a positive sign in his direction too.
1: So if you look at our ownership projections at, at uh if you wanted to check these out for an amazing price, use the promo code pumpkin while we're at it uh, because it's, you know, Halloween pumpkin, use that promo code. You get the awesome plus platinum NFL weekly, meaning everything for NFL access to all of our NFL content <clears throat> from ownership projections to player projections to the top stack tool to all of the amazing uh, showdown tools. We have an, we have awesome showdown tools for all of the sites that are running showdown contests that are really different from any other site, any other DFS content site out there. Uh, all of our premium articles that these guys put so much time into Great, great analysis across the board, the lineup builder, uh, and so much more that I'm forgetting to touch on because, well, we're just loaded with with valuable content and more specifically tools built by the number one DFS player in the world. All of that great stuff. $10.31 for the week. That's almost $20 off the original price. So the Awesome Plus Platinum NFL Weekly. I've had a lot of people DMing me about this, telling me that they signed up. And why not? You know, $10 a week, $10.31 for the week. You get to check it out. Not a whole lot of risk involved there. Uh, I think you'll stick around. I think you're going to love it. But it's a great way to see what we've got going on without having to, you know, take too much, assume too much risk in that scenario. So you've got through uh, uh, Halloween to do it. So 1031 through 1031, use that promo code PUMPKIN and check it out. If you just want to get some basic content, but also all of our showdown material, ownership, projections, the uh, the we have a, a top stack tool, like a top stack tool light. We have the top plays for showdowns, which goes through everything on a probability basis. Uh, all of that stuff, $3.95 a week our express packages, the NFL express packages, less than $4 a week. I'll stop talking. Just go to awesome.com slash join, check it out and you'll see everything we have to offer. We got something for everyone. So what I was getting at here, Matt, is look at the ownership uh, had pricing been a little different and had they not priced guys appropriately, as you pointed out, they did a good job. You would not see Calvin Ridley as the seventh highest owned player or Julio Jones as the eighth highest owned player. Uh, you would not see both of them getting less than 10% ownership in the captain spot each.
0: Yeah, I agree. And a great job by DraftKings. So we can't just jam in all of these studs. Yep. Again, it's going to lead us to some interesting roster constructions in sticking with this Atlanta side. Do you look to a guy like Russell Gage if you're trying to stack the the passing attack? I think maybe you could. He's significantly underpriced and we did see Russell Gage leave last week's game with a knee injury. He was able to return, and he practiced this week, so I think that's positive for his status. I mean, you could also look to to Hunter Henry, excuse me, Hayden Hurst, 9,600 for Hurst if you're captaining him. His target share is consistent. It's not near Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley, not anywhere close, but six, six, four, and seven targets in the last four games. it's pretty consistent.
1: Yeah, he, he has been consistent. And um let me let me ask you that. What's his ownership coming in at? Hayden Hurst. Yeah.
0: He's really low. 16 and a half percent, not even one in the captain.
1: OK, so I'm glad you brought it up and, and that we looked at his ownership, because when I was doing research this morning, I actually thought to myself, huh, Hayden Hurst has been better than I thought. And he hasn't been great, but you haven't heard much about him, namely because Todd Gurley's scoring accidental touchdowns and Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are doing all of the additional work. Uh, getting all the attention there out uh, down there in Atlanta. But as you mentioned, yeah, six plus targets in four of his last five games, he has scored three times this season, which in seven games really isn't that bad. Um, And he's involved enough to make a splash if necessary. If you get at his price, and and tell me what you think about this. If you get say, uh, what's he priced at uh, in the utility 6,400. If you were to get 15 from him which is highly doable especially if he scores. You need what even well, what would 15 be even four for for 4 60
0: and a score. That's 16. Four. what is it? Four four catches 60 yards in a score is 16.
1: Right. Okay. So yeah, four for 64 for 50 in a score. Very doable. At 6400, uh, that seems like a pretty pretty good bargain.
0: Yeah, I agree. And so he's priced above russell gage is the only thing that really has me concerned i'm not really even concerned just a, a little weary like would you rather save the salary and, and go down to gage i think is the main question we should be asking
1: well you know what then i'll shut up and let you talk about it because that's a big question for a slate like this
0: a gage is is a tough evaluation here we saw a little bit of a shakeup in the Atlanta wide receiver room. And I can't tell how much of this is because Gage was in and out of the game a little bit last week. So Brandon Powell has definitely usurped Alameda Zacchesius as the number four wide receiver. And Powell actually outsnapped Gage last week. We still saw Gage receive seven targets, Powell only two targets. But I don't know if this is Brandon Powell maybe improving a little bit, working his way on the field. He's certainly not going to play more than Gage, but I don't know if he even sees a quarter of the snaps. I would rather play Hurst over Gage. I'm just not sure how this is going to shake out. Do you have a lean on this? I'm not sure if this is just all injury-related or if Brandon Paul is working his way onto the field.
1: I thought the same thing, right, because Russell Gage had played 60-plus percent of snaps in three straight weeks. Um, I I personally like Hayden Hurst a little bit more in this game. Now, the pricing is – there's a pretty big difference in pricing. If they were similar, you and I wouldn't even be having this conversation. Uh, but I just think when you're talking about a showdown slate like this, everyone's in play. Russell Gage is very much in play. So as far as my lean goes, both of them are viable. It's it's not an 11-game slate where we can just, you know, write one of these guys off. So both of them are, are solid. The touchdown equity is just a lot higher with somebody like Hayden Hurst. And as you know, not every week, but generally speaking – you need to have a piece of almost every touchdown to win.
0: Yeah, you do. And you may you bring up the red zone production a lot. I think that could be very important for Hurst. He'd be the guy I prefer in the spot. It's just, you know, if you're jamming in Julio and Ridley, it might be hard. I think there are other ways you can find some salary relief. I mean, would you even consider Brian Hill for some salary relief? He's not too much cheaper than Gage, but he's down there. And I think he's in play.
1: That's so tough. And by the way, I I actually have to correct myself here. I I did not know. Maybe you knew this. I did not know that Russell Gage has eight targets inside the 20 to Hayden Hurst's three.
0: I did not know that either.
1: I honestly just assumed that Hayden Hurst, you know, I'm glad I looked that up because I don't want to give you guys false information here, but uh, even inside the 10, Hayden Hurst has two targets to Russell Gage's four, I'd like to see what weeks those were, though, and who was active and who was inactive. Um, what did you ask about Brian Hill? I'm just talking about
0: salary relief and if we're not considering um, Russell Gage, who we might look to for Atlanta. And I thought Brian Hill might be in play.
1: It's not the craziest idea. You know, we talked about Cam Akers last week and he was on the field for two snaps, right? Uh, I don't think, n- neither of us were saying, hey, go out there and roster Cam Akers. But you the the conversation has to be had, uh, especially on a day like today. Go ahead right now uh, for people, you know, wondering why we talk about some of these dirt cheap uh, players. Go ahead and try and plug in DJ Moore with Teddy Bridgewater uh, alongside Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, and Matt Ryan and see what you have left. In that case, you you won't have enough to even play someone like Brian Hill. But... Um, Yeah, I I don't I don't think it's the craziest idea at all. Um, But let's let's actually do it like this. If you if you were to play somebody in the three K or lower range. So it would really just be anybody below these two defenses, starting with Ian Thomas to Brian Hill to to everybody else. uh, Who would it be if you had to play one south of three thousand dollars tonight?
0: I think it's probably Brian Hill and I don't feel great about it. I mean, you could look to Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas is going to be the player most involved as far as snaps and routes, but he's literally just running wind sprints down the field. He has <laughs> one target in each of his last three games, eight total targets in his last four. I mean, the only other situation I think we can really look to is this, this Christian Blight, excuse me, this Brandon Powell situation. If he's maybe working his way in, And I guess one interesting situation we'll talk about is the Seth Roberts, I guess, departure. He got cut and he played in every single game this year. That might mean something for Carolina, but it is pretty barren in just the complete punt range.
1: Yeah, don't run the wrong routes in uh, important times. That's the lesson there. Uh, So. With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Here, here, here's another way to break it down, Matt. You've got somebody else there that is coming in at a pretty discounted price point. Not all the way down there, not complete, not in the, in the basement, but that's Curtis Samuel. So here's one guy that I actually want to wait to get to him, but I promise, because I see it in chat, we're going to spend some time on that once we get to the Panthers. Let's first wrap up the Atlanta side of the ball. We talked early. Uh, I think we're in agreement that... Brian Hill, uh, in in some situations, could be a viable punt. You don't need much from him. If he sneaks one in 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 the end zone from five yards out, that's all you need, and he's going to be virtually unowned. He's also going to allow you to – it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if he ended up having three fantasy points, three DraftKings points, but you stacked your lineup so top-heavy elsewhere that it doesn't matter and you end up having a really good night.
0: Yeah. I mean, we see this on the main slate a lot with tight end and we've seen it in some showdown slates too. It's more of that barbell approach where Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, maybe Gurley in this example, the offense is just so concentrated between them that it doesn't matter what you throw in your last spot with all the production going to those three, you can literally take a zero or something close to it.
1: Yeah. I'm trying right now. Let's see what we got here, Matt. So I put DJ Moore in the captain spot, just because that price uh, is it, pretty viable and, and he's going up against Atlanta uh, again we'll get there so I don't want to get out out ahead in front of my skis. but if you were to play DJ Moore you could do Brian Hill I honestly if you're playing Brian Hill, I don't even hate the idea of playing Todd Gurley too uh, if it's a salary relief thing, especially if they go heavy on the ground you can get Hurst, Bridgewater and you can get Julio Jones into that lineup so while that might not and I'm just throwing that together now. While that might not be uh, optimal, I don't know. It, it shows you that a really cheap guy on this slate specifically allows you to to get a lot more uh, a lot more freed up salary to go to some more expensive players. Um, so yeah, that that's that's pretty much the way I look at it. Anything else here for Atlanta?
0: I don't think so. I think the main questions are what you do with the expensive receivers. My personal favorite captain on this side is Gurley. I think he'll provide a little bit of leverage off both receivers in the pass game, or do you try to get some value? Do you, do you try to go to a guy like Brandon Powell? Do you try to play Brian Hill? That's not my favorite strategy, but it's at least worth talking about.
1: So last thing. And I want to make sure that you and I always hit on enough strategy and and, and instead of just the plays, because that doesn't always help. Right. Um, What do you do with these lineups? We'll say your hand building lineups. What do you do with these lineups? If you have Todd Gurley in the captain spot, because we all know if you have DJ Moore or Julio or Ridley or Anderson in the captain spot, you want to get their, You want to get their, uh, their one of their quarterbacks in there. Um, maybe not every time, like last week, you could have had something different with the projected low scoring game between Chicago and, um, and the Rams. Uh, but, and if you have Bridgewater or Ryan in there, you know, that you want to pair them with the two pass catchers, but what about when you have a running back in a captain spot that is more so reliant on his ground game than his pass catching game?
0: Yeah, so running back is going to open a different, I guess, a new set of avenues that you can approach when you're trying to think through the game script of what might get you to a winning score. I mean, the the obvious one, if you're captaining Gurley, would be all right. Atlanta got up to an early lead. They're riding Gurley throughout the game. Maybe you want to run on the other side some Carolina pass catchers, some some Teddy Bridgewater. Play that way. When you have a guy like Gurley who is somewhat involved in the pass game, I think you could put Matt Ryan in there as well, even though it might be a little less viable. You're taking on a little bit of negative correlation, but another game environment you could predict, say Atlanta gets up to a two or three score lead and, you know, maybe Julio Jones caught the first touchdown, gets near hundred yards, but Julio Jones is really expensive. Maybe he's not your optimal captain as Atlanta is playing from ahead in the second half. That's how Gurley racks up his production. And he ends up being the salary saving option that gets you to the captain slot. So running back's interesting. There's a lot more potential game scripts I think you can argue would get you there than just the straight up receiver.
1: All right. Let's talk about Carolina. Uh, before we do guys, we have some free content on the site today. If you wanted to check it out. Um, if, you know, if you've know if you been to AwesomeO, if you haven't signed up yet, I already told you about the, the promo code pumpkin, but uh, if you wanted to check out some of the free content we have today, and we always usually do something cool for, for the showdown sites, Yeah, the NFL showdown rankings and the NFL Express top stack tool, the one I was talking about, like the top stack tool light. Uh both of them are, are available. I think as a matter of fact, they're available. Uh the, the the express stack tool is available all week. And the showdown rankings are available for free today. So uh, if you wanted to go check them out, please be my guest. Enjoy it. So we'll start with what do you say we start with Mike Davis here since we started with the run game on, on the Falcon side.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I think Mike Davis is a good play.
1: I mean, Go ahead. I mean, I, I think he's a good play too. Uh, people may be a little underwhelmed by only seven attempts last week, but uh, he has filled in admirably for Christian McCaffrey and Matt. You and I have said it a million times already. His pass catching upside just lends so much uh, credibility to to playing him each week.
0: Right, and I, the question I think is how much different is he than Christian McCaffrey? Obviously, there's a significant difference, and we even saw the pricing between McCaffrey and Mike Davis come in pretty pretty different, even though I don't think the role is too much different here. Prior to that seven attempt game, we looked to Mike Davis and he had four games with 20 plus touches in all of them. And a lot of that coming in the past game, which opens up a lot of avenues and keeps them game script independent. So if Atlanta does get up to that big lead, you can still confidently believe Mike Davis will be involved in the game. We haven't really seen a lot of other runners in this offense chip away at him. So I think it, as a reasonably priced captain here, I mean, he is a little more expensive still than DJ Moore, who's my preferred captain in this offense. I think you can still look to Mike Davis.
1: Yeah, no question. What do you think about Mike Davis, Todd Gurley lineups, maybe envisioning this in a spot that, and, and, you know, you're going to get a lot of people say, what are you talking about? Of course, this game's not going to go that way, right? Of course, this isn't going to be a ground and pound type of game. Don't you think a lot of people would have said that about Atlanta and Detroit last week? Things happen. Uh, I still think that that Carolina is going to be able to open up in the passing game. There's no question. Uh, but in the event that they don't, it, it could be a spot where where this pops or where, where this happens on the ground. But Matt, one other thing: even if it does happen, where Carolina, as as I would expect, uh, is able to move the ball through the air, I'll get to the passing yard props for for Ryan and Bridgewater in just a moment. They might surprise you. Mike Davis is just as involved as anyone in the passing game. So it's a win-win situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. I I like Davis a lot for that reason. And on the, just the game script overall, and these teams pounding the ball, it's a showdown slate. We, we don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of times you're going to receive a larger payoff when you take some of these contraint approaches. Like if you play both running backs in your lineup, sure, you're taking on some negative correlation. But both of these pass catchers, and particularly Mike Davis, are involved in the pass game. So even if you're taking on some negative correlation between both backs, I think you can be confident in their past game involvement, which still could get you there to a winning score.
1: Talking ownership here, Mike Davis, second highest captain spot ownership projection today. Uh, second highest overall ownership. So he's gonna be up there. And one of the very simple reasons is I think he's too cheap. Yeah, I I I, I think Mike Davis's salary is like He's cheaper than than Robbie Anderson, and that stands out to me. He's significantly cheaper than Calvin Ridley by $1,400. It's going to for sure open things up. Now, before we talk pass catchers, like actual wide receivers, tight ends, and the like, how um, inclined or opposed to the idea – or, sorry, in favor of or impo- opposed to the idea – Are you of having like Captain Spot Davis with Teddy Bridgewater in the utility, Teddy Bridgewater, Captain Spot, Mike Davis in the utility. Uh, Do you feel good about that pairing? Is it one you want to get to, or are you maybe trying to separate yourself from the Mike Davis Bridgewater pairings? Because that might be surprisingly a way you can get a little bit different just given both of their uh, high projected ownership, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, highest projected ownership on the slate, Matt. Just so I can back up what I'm saying here, and highest captain spot projection ownership on the slate.
0: I think I prefer Davis in the captain slot. I'm certainly fine with pairing them, and it's basically everything we we've, we've said already with the target volume, which puts him in play for stacks with Bridgewater. I think the main reason you'd look to Davis over Bridgewater is the bonus structure on DraftKings. It's if Mike Davis gets 100 yards rushing. Andy catches a couple balls with the PPR structure. I think he's just more likely than Bridgewater to end up as the optimal captain. And then you look at straight up ownership, where are you gaining leverage? You're you're gaining more leverage from playing Mike Davis in that slot. You mentioned it, Teddy Bridgewater coming in as the highest on player. So maybe that pairing is contrarian enough to, to help you. And especially if you have Davis in the captain slot, but I certainly am not opposed to it.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I think the Bridgewater gate, I think when we go back and look at a uh, lineup study on fantasy cruncher, uh, by the way, you get that add-on when you do sign up at Awesome-O. Uh When you look at lineup study, being able to look back at all of the exposures everyone had and all of the stacking combinations they had, I think the Bridgewater-Davis stack is going to be wildly popular, uh, especially because Mike Davis is, is cheaper than many of us would have expected. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting spot for sure. Now, the pass catchers. DJ Moore, it's really the first thing that stood out to me when I pulled up this slate, Matt, starting to research it, is uh, he's pretty inexpensive. I know that his target counts have been uh, kind of volatile, and he's had some lackluster performances uh, over the past several weeks or really on the season, and you'd like to see him getting eight, nine, ten targets per game. But he's gone, this is weird, exactly 93 receiving yards in three straight games now. He has three touchdowns over that span. He has a 74-yard touchdown and a 57. One of them against Atlanta. He's ripping off monster plays. There's a prop on DraftKings to over 30. Over uh, will there be a passing play over 37 and a half yards? I like the yes on that tonight. But uh, I also just think DJ Moore at this price, whether or not you love the volume, has so much upside on the deep ball against a inferior Falcons defense that. Um, I don't know. To me, that price is pretty wild. And his ownership right now is coming in really 50%. It's not that high given his price point.
0: I think he's probably the most mispriced player on the slate. And Okay. So
1: we're in agreement here then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The right way. Like, I think he's a huge value. I'm, I'm with you. And we've seen the target share in this offense be somewhat volatile. Well, Robbie Anderson has been a little more consistent, but DJ Moore still has a 23 and percent target share on the year, which leads to immense games. And interestingly, they're using DJ Moore as this this air yard downfield type receiver. And that's really what Robbie Anderson did in New York. I don't know if this is just another indictment on Adam Gaze or not, but DJ Moore is the air yards guy. It leads itself to big plays, which in showdown, that's something we want. And I think it makes a lot of sense in the captain slot. We, we've seen these guys trade the target lead through various games. Two games ago, DJ Moore led the team in targets 11. Last week, DJ Moore was back down at five with Anderson at eight. So, there's going to be a little bit of give and take here. If we get DJ more cheaper and slightly lower owned, it looks like they're coming in pretty comparable tonight. I'll take DJ more.
1: Okay. Me too. Uh, 50% ownership on a single game slate at 8,200 is not that crazy either. Uh, it does have double digit captain spot projection for ownership, but it all makes sense to me. It is pretty remarkable. And you just touched on Anderson a bit, but that Anderson at, Explain this to me and maybe you can do a better job of explaining it because uh, I think maybe there's maybe there's some confusion for me here. I was a little bit surprised that at a thousand dollar increase. Robbie Anderson, a thousand dollars more expensive than DJ Moore is actually projected for more ownership and more captain spot ownership.
0: I think this is recency bias. I was going to say
1: the same thing. Yeah.
0: He's been the wide receiver one to this point, but it's not by much. And you look at just raw target volume in air yards. DJ Moore has the lead in air yards. Their target share is close enough where I'm willing to take the break on ownership, go to a lesser owned play in DJ Moore and still feel good about it.
1: Yeah, and another thing too, when you're looking at just yards per reception, there is one really, really, there's a stark contrast here between the two. Uh, On these showdown slates, you love knowing, that you can get somebody like D.J. Moore to just break one or two loose. Uh, Again, he's had some pretty uh, long touchdown passes this season. Uh, His average depth of target is almost two yards more than Robbie Anderson's. You just mentioned air yards. They're pretty comparable, but uh, on less targets, D.J. Moore has more of those. Um, You know, the the one big thing is Robbie Anderson, Matt, just isn't dropping passes, right? Uh, D.J. Moore has an 11% drop rate, Anderson at 49 but that just makes me like DJ Moore even more because it shows you that there have been more opportunities that he's failed to that he's failed to convert, which in the event that he does, turns into a, a really big game.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what we're looking for. All of these are coalescing around DJ Moore, and watch—we're going to see Robbie Anderson with a monster game. Where I don't think we're trying.
1: <laughs> but yeah, even if not- he does, it's it's fine. It's just you know you got to break down the process.
0: Yeah. And Robbie Anderson's a phenomenal player. We're not saying don't play Robbie Anderson. You can certainly play him just with the ownership coming in a little bit higher on Anderson and all these factors, the air yards, the drops, everything working against DJ Moore and putting recency bias in the Robbie Anderson camp. uh, You and I are in agreement on this.
1: Okay, man, chat popping off right now. Who knew that the conversation between turf and grass could get someone so riled up early in the morning. Cool. Your jets. It's going to be okay uh this is just so wild carolina uh we talked davis we talked pass catchers uh ian thomas like you said just wind sprinting up and down the field but it i would not be doing my job as a host matt if i didn't ask you to elaborate on him a little bit more uh before we close this out with curtis samuel
0: I mean, he's probably a positive regression candidate. He's running a route on most of the dropbacks. He just is not getting targeted on those routes. I, I think his presence on the field, particularly in showdown, like on a main slate, we're probably never bringing up Ian Thomas's name, but we need to talk about the guys that are on the field a lot. Ian Thomas fits this bill and he's fairly cheap. So if you're looking for a punt play, I guess, similar price range to Brian Hill, and you want someone who's just on the field a lot more, Ian Thomas is your guy. Don't feel confident about it, but we've seen crazier things like in the last four games he does have a five target game he just has mixed in three other games with one target in his <laughs> man
1: right um it's not good he has one target inside the five one inside the 10 this year um which are the same one right so three targets <laughs> three targets in the red zone I I point that out because maybe you get a rogue touchdown for me and Thomas. I don't know. It's tough. But I do think Curtis Samuel is a great spot for us to end the skill player discussion. He's he's actually seeing a little bit more work recently. He's been used quite a bit on third downs as well. He had a rushing touchdown last week. If there's anybody that could have a big game and you say, well, you know what? I should have had more of him. This to me is one of those spots. It doesn't mean I like him, okay, Matt? It doesn't mean I, I love Curtis Samuel. What it means is that if he ends up having a, say, Josh Reynolds type of game for Monday, nobody should actually be shocked. And, and and obviously he would get there in different ways than Reynolds would. But if he had seven targets, caught six of them for 60 yards and a touchdown, and you realize you don't have any of them, you might look back and, and kind of kick yourself for it because he is pretty reasonably priced in a very good matchup. So uh, your take on Curtis Samuel where do you stand here
0: I like Curtis Samuel a lot tonight and I've been reading a little bit of the tea leaves here in Carolina so Curtis Samuel was banged up a little bit earlier this year they've been running a lot of Seth Roberts now they cut Seth Roberts they have five receivers on the active roster outside of DJ Moore Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson those other two receivers are Brandon Zilstra and Farrell Cooper Last week, Zilstra played five snaps. Farrell Cooper only played two. We looked at Curtis Samuel. He only ran a, he was only out there actually 48% of snaps. So we're removing 19 Seth Roberts snaps from this offense. Where do they go? Do they go to Curtis Samuel? Does he become more of a 70-80% type player? Do they go to a guy like Zilstra or Farrell Cooper? I think probably not. Or maybe do they play a different personnel grouping, like put in more Chris Manhurts and 12 personnel. He only ran eight routes last week. So if they're trying to pass a lot, I think the most likely scenario is those extra routes and snaps that were coming from Seth Roberts do go to Curtis Samuel as the number three receiver and his snapshot probably jumps near 70 or 80%. If that is the case, Curtis Samuel is coming in underpriced.
1: Yes, he is. Nice breakdown, by the way, that definitely, uh, it gives us a good idea of what we're doing. Matt, you say reading the tea leaves, man. That's why we bring you on here to to make the, the big executive decisions. And I think you might be spot on with, with, with Curtis Samuel. I, everything you just said adds up. So among (laughs) DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Hunter Hurst, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mike Davis, Todd Gurley and then of course Matt Ryan and Teddy Bridgewater we have a lot of big decisions to make tonight
0: yeah we do I again think about game scripts whatever you you think might happen and it doesn't necessarily even have to be the game script that bookmakers are projecting like right now we're getting Carolina as a slight favorite if you think Atlanta wins this game think about that a little bit and try to build your lineups with it in mind maybe you, you use like Gurley as a captain but I would just say be mindful because I think we do have a couple underpriced plays and we also have a couple players that are overpriced in Ridley and Julio Jones I don't know is that is that how kind of how you're approaching tonight
1: yeah absolutely uh and I, I like the idea of throwing Gurley in the captain spot but uh I, I feel like I'm gonna have more with someone maybe DJ Moore or a pass catcher in there and then have Todd Gurley in the utility uh, just because I think roster construction becomes a little bit more convoluted when you throw Gurley in there, not to say it won't work or can't work. It definitely can. And it has many times in the past, Um, but I don't mind going say heavy on the Panthers pass attack, but also heavy on Todd Gurley. This isn't a spot where I think you have to go passing attack, passing attack, both quarterbacks because it's going to be super tough Uh, and and then rounding it out with with some dirt cheap guys but I'm I'm not particularly high on any defense here I think if you want to play a kicker you can but Matt if I'm going to play a kicker or both kickers then I think the main objective here is you got to have you got to have the running back exposure in those lineups as well uh, under the assumption that it's probably not a super high scoring game with a lot of touchdowns so it's all about playing that story out in your head right
0: yeah, I think so. I, I'm more interested in kickers when I think it's going to be like a blowout on one side and we don't see a lot of production on the other. Okay. So maybe like a 5-1 construction. Otherwise, I just think it's fairly likely if we see back and forth affair that the kickers don't make it into the optimal.
1: Yeah, I think it's very possible too. I, 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 rostering kickers can be very frustrating. Uh, very often they don't get there. Defense is in a spot like this with a 50 plus point total. If you have anything to add here, go for it. Maybe you see something I'm missing.
0: I don't think so. I, I think we hit on the defenses pretty well. I, I don't see how Atlanta is going to get after the passer here without Tack McKinley. It's something they've already struggled to do a little bit. And now McKinley being out is certainly going to hurt them there. We, we already see Carolina's weakness really being up front for them without K1 Short. So I'm not very interested in the defenses, especially with a, a near 51 point total, a total that might actually be depressed because of weather. Like do, if there wasn't a what is it, a tropical depression or a tropical storm? If this wasn't a factor, do you think we'd have a higher total?
1: Uh, probably, yeah. But I, I, so I don't too. know because it looks like it's it's moving really fast. It's moving like 40 miles per hour. Uh, I was under the assumption that it was going to rip through and we'd be okay by 820. But again, not a meteorologist. None of us necessarily know. I think we'll be in the clear. Uh, so maybe maybe not. Maybe 51 is okay. Maybe it'd be at like 52, 52 and a half. But I don't think... I don't think it would be that much different in a spot like this. Now, I'm coming up next with Matt Savoca. It's the the marathon matchups breakdown. You guys want to stick around for that. It's, it's everything you need to know for the week eight slate. We're going game by game, touching on every one of those, giving comprehensive analysis. Hopefully, you'll join us coming up in uh, 12 minutes, 11 Eastern time right here on the AutoMo awesome YouTube channel. And then, Matt, you've got a show coming up with Kyle Dvorak breaking everything down for the FanDuel slate, doing a straight FanDuel-specific strategy show as well.
0: 2 p.m. Eastern time, me and Kyle Dvorak. We're going to get to everything on FanDuel.
1: Yep. And then Kyle will be back again tonight, live before lock, for this showdown show with Alex Baker, Osimo himself. They're taking you up to lock at 8.20, starting at 7.20 Eastern. So we got a lot going on today. Hopefully you'll stick around and join us. Wish you guys the best of luck. Hit that thumbs up before you go. Subscribe and hit the notification bell so you always know when new content's coming up next. Follow Matt. Do it. Just just trust me. Do it. Matt underscore Gajeski on Twitter. Follow me if you're not already. Lafay underscore D. L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And AwesomeO.com at AwesomeO underscore com. We'll see you back here very shortly at AwesomeO.com.